The relationships with my clients and the way that they see real value in what I offer and pay attention to me and my advice comes from the fact that I bring empathy to our relationships. I try to understand where they're coming from and really don't just look at the figures that are on their balance sheet and P&L, but understand why that could possibly be there, what's actually occurring in their businesses. It, it becomes more of an investigative exercise as opposed to just something that's clinical. G'day everyone, I'm David Boyer and welcome back to the CA Catalyst Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow podcast. This episode is all about rising up the value chain as an accountant. Earlier in this series, Trent Innes from Zero spoke about the perfect storm that's resulted in an innovation explosion. In our Tech in Practice episode, Rebecca Mahalik explained what technology she uses at Business Depot. In fact, throughout the CA Catalyst series of events around Australia and New Zealand, learning how to do things has been a key element. In the Regulation Technology episode, Commissioner Chris Jordan shared with us how supportive the ATO is of accountants embracing technology and using new business models. What we know is that people are adopting the ideas in this series to solve problems in their firms and to activate a healthier lifestyle for themselves. But I think that accountants are at our best when we're thinking less about ourselves and more about our clients. And not just them, but the communities they operate in, the people they employ, and the families they support. We're at our best when we're helping the mums and dads of Australia. And to do that, we have to rise up the value chain. Rising up the value chain might mean showing clients what we do and sometimes how we do it. And we're going to do that so they can see the value we create for them. Value creation doesn't necessarily mean introducing new services. It might just mean showing the clients how you minimize their tax, how you protected their assets, and reminding them that you are their sounding board. It might just be a different way to talk about the things you've always done. Now, you may have heard in the accounting press that compliance is dead and you have to do advisory. I've never believed this. But I do believe clients are wanting more from us. So for this episode, I sought out people who I thought had runs on the board in helping accountants rise up the value chain. I chatted to my old mate, Brad Eisenhuth from The Outperformer. For years, Brad and I have been sharing ideas about the future of accounting on LinkedIn. And in a rare face-to-face meeting at Chartered Accountants headquarters in Sydney, he and I got to sit down. I also wanted to know what clients wanted, especially some of the younger clients many of us chase from the startup community. So I caught up with Andy Hamilton from the Ice House in Auckland to talk about what startups want from an accountant and how we need to rise up the value chain to meet their expectations. Kicking off this episode, I asked Brad what the number one skill we need to rise up the value chain could be. The skill that many accountants are working on and certainly uh, aware that they need to to develop is uh, the strategic leadership of their clients or the stakeholders they serve uh, in their business. So leadership is fundamentally at the core of everything that uh, accountants are working on. Uh, Quite frankly, there's often a belief system that technology systems, processes, tools, etc. is where the learning is... um, uh, most impactful and so uh, this is what the belief system is but when you ask an accountant and you understand what is really going wrong or what's challenging their development whether that's at an individual level a practice level or a team level um, 
it's focused around leadership. So for example, uh, when you consider the implementation of a system that you might use in your practice, uh, the effectiveness of that system, nine times out of 10, comes down to whether you selected that system based on the problem that it's there to solve in the first place, which is a leadership skill, or whether the implementation and the effective use of that system by your clients or your team or whatever it's there to do um, has been embedded properly. And in both cases, it all comes back to people and leadership. The world for accounts is changing. What's it changing from and what's it changing to? Big question again, and I love it. Uh, CA Catalyst, mate. We're not mucking around. CA Catalyst, let's do the big ones. Um, So where are we coming from? What's the old world and what's the new world? So if we start of where we are now and and tell the story about the client experience, it's the best place to start. So uh, our accountants and, uh, and their relationship with businesses is evolving. Uh, We're in a world with what I would call knowledge obesity. So business owners know that there's more out there that can be gained from things that are available in the accounting world. And as business owners are aware of these things, they start to drive their behavior around what they want to see. And quite frankly, at the moment, um, there is a belief system that the accounting services that they get can be moved up the value chain. So, for example, uh, a small business uh, that is working with a a business services accountant will ask the question, you know, I'm looking to expand my business into a new state. I'm looking to take on new staff. I've won a huge contract, but I haven't, you know, got the cash to manage that that growth and I'm really worried about what I do. How can I do it? Um, Of course, the business leader fantastic at winning winning your new contract, knows how to manage their business, understands their operations really well. But when it comes to the financial impact of that situation, they're really worried. They don't know how that is always playing out. And, and quite frankly, they're not spending all of their time in their numbers. So in terms of the relationship with the accounting firm, how to answer those sorts of questions, both on the run and as an ongoing service is where we're starting to move to. You mentioned the word the customer experience, mm. Can you just, almost academically, but but with an eye on what accountants do. What is that? Well, the customer experience looks different for every firm. I'm, and I think it's very uh, risky to to broad, um, put a broad stroke brush across every firm's customer experience. But if we think about what is the customer looking at in terms of the accounting relationship, um, they're looking at the ease of communication between the two parties they're looking at the inertia that comes into play when they need to change things uh, in their business and what that does in terms of the accounting relationship they're looking at um, if I have a goal does that accountant understand that in terms of my tax position in terms of the the way my cash is managed and ultimately how I am able to make decisions and what happens with that um, and of course, in terms of the rest of their business, is this an expensive cost? Does it feel like value for money? And that question on value for money is quite subjective. Uh, but ultimately, they're making a judgment on that for nearly everything they do in their business. Not too different to the way a practice leader would make a judgment on their team's performance and the measurables that they have in their own business. 
really want to deep dive into a word that you've brought up, which is moving up the value chain. Mm -hmm. What is the value chain? Going back to my point about subjectivity, value chain is a subjective um, measure of what we believe is important. And so if we look at the business owner's journey, no matter how large or small they may be, they will have goals and they will have strategic objectives in their business. And the value you create is that that allows you allows that business to move towards those strategic goals and objectives. Um, so the value chain is fundamentally unlimited. Your business could evolve in any way that it needs to uh, to help a business do that. Um, that could be through providing different services. That could be through extending the services you currently have, or that could be through standing still and not doing anything different, but ensuring that in the space of the value chain or the the, the experiences that your clients having with you, uh, that it's done to a, uh, a level that the client expects. Going a bit deeper into that, what services could there be? It could be anything: mergers and acquisitions. It could be uh, the traditional term of what people have been calling the virtual CFO service or CFO advisory or CFO consulting. It could be uh, coaching and consulting on business strategy. Uh, It could be uh, the taxation advisory services and planning piece. Uh, There's so many areas. If you think about each element of uh, financial uh, impact on an organization and you consider what decisions are made, think about a service that moves around that. So uh, I'm looking to expand into new countries and jurisdictions. There's probably a service that could be developed around that. Uh, I'm a, uh, a retail business and I am looking to open new stores. There's probably a service that an accounting firm could offer to help validate and select uh, and support the growth of a retail business. It depends on the model you want to develop, but that helps. hopefully helps answer your question. And potentially a different thing to what it was in 1985. Absolutely. Does the notion of a trusted advisor change over time? If we go back in history, the trusted advisor uh, looks different. It looks different for many reasons. So if we go back to 1985 versus where we are today, the culture which business operates looks different. Uh, The market forces and the types of businesses we're working with were different. The cost base of most businesses were different. The technology that businesses use were different. Um, And therefore, the relationship and the way you built a relationship with a client was different. Uh, In 1985, I could smoke a cigar with you and sit in front of you and uh, talk to you about some of the things you need to do in your business. And because I was really intelligent and come from a place of authority because of my background, you probably believe me. Uh, In 2019, in an environment where we're overwhelmed with advisors and fancy titles and consultants everywhere and a specialist in some um, field that will tell us what we need to be doing, you've got a very skeptical business culture that is emerging and particularly some of the younger business generation are finding, um, you know, difficult to, to, uh, to digest. They go onto Facebook and they get told through ads every day that there's something they need to be doing. So the relationship there has moved quite dramatically and, and conceptually, if we, we apply the same logic, uh, in 2025, in 2035, and as we move on, uh, the trusted advisor's role and their capacity to impact um, will evolve as well. 
one of the things you specialise in is helping firms move into that business advisory um, part of the value chain, and which isn't the, the only part of it. How do firms actually start to play in that space? There's, there's a few different ways you can start to play in consulting and advisory. Uh, but the first question you need to look at is, who is my business or who are my clients? Uh, what are their problems and what do they need to do to solve them? Based on that, you can design a business model that helps make an impact and create value for those clients. And typically, if you think about an established accounting firm, uh, they will have um, a suite of clients where they have a pretty good idea of what all their clients are doing. And it literally takes you um, a one-to-one meeting to ask some really open-ended questions and surveying and exploring their, their, um, their business goals and landscape to, to really hone in on where they might be. Uh, then it takes uh, some testing, you know, the, the idea of thinking, well, what is consulting when you make it tangible? Um, and how do you measure the success of that consulting or advisory offering? Is it niche? Is it relative to one component that's this consistent problem that lots of clients have? Or is it more holistic? Is it more strategic? Is it a big picture kind of um, advisory or, or coaching style of offering? And once you make that decision, then then you you um, then you can start to play. You know, you look at you know, is this valuable to the client? Can we price it appropriately? Is it is it is it too much effort to to transition into this environment, or is it something that I really want to embrace? Do I have the talent mix in my business? Can I import the talent? Um, there's so many questions that start to go on as you um, as you build those sorts of offerings. I think Brad's insights are valuable, especially the idea that one skill we need is to lead our clients. If you want to know what a business owner expects of an accountant that's risen up the value chain, then I have a recommendation. Go get a startup client. They're around because they're desperate for your skills, and they're moving fast and making big decisions, and will challenge you in all the right ways. I sat down with Andy Hamilton from the Ice House in Auckland to find out just what they expect. I'm joined here with Andy Hamilton at the spectacular Textile Centre in Auckland, New Zealand. Andy, thanks for joining us. Hey, David. How are you? I'm good. You're the CEO of the Ice House. The From having a quick look around, very well-organised and impressive co-working space focusing on startups here in New Zealand. Startups and established SMEs as well, which is pretty cool. Having both those different types of businesses creates a more vibrant ecosystem. Do you have a lot of knowledge sharing between the two? When we enable it, at times they just stay in their own worlds. So we've got to we've got to be what is it? Planned spontaneity. We can't. We've got to trick them into being in the same environment because often they're so busy doing their own stuff they don't really think that what they're doing is relevant to someone else. When it is, I worked in a lot of co-working spaces, and there is a balance between getting work done and building connections. Yeah, it's hard. I think because if you've got so many interactions around you you can get quite distracted. So I think one of the things we've got to do better is find quiet spaces for people so that they can go and do their, you know, focused stuff. The Chartered Accountants Through the Catalyst program has run a number of CAs through the Ice House as part of the immersion program. Now, we've had a lot of accountants on the show talk about how they work with startups and growth-focused businesses, and there is a distinction between the two. But I'm keen to hear from your point of view, what – from almost our customer's point of view, 
what benefit and what experience is there for those sort of younger businesses in having access to experienced chartered accountants? I think it's really interesting that the um, the opportunity is how you create non-linear interactions because if you um, if you put the CA catalysts, uh, if you invite them to a meeting with a catalyst like a, a company, you, it kind of, it's okay. But if you throw them into an environment where no one really knows who and the catalyst just start problem identification, hey, what's going on, what's hard, what's not, it's amazing how more open the companies are. So look, we had this great night the other night where it was a catalyst function at zero where we put two or three catalysts up on the stage and we just talked about their interaction with founders as well. So for me, it's all about how you create the environment where people put their shields down and then the companies start talking about this is hard, this is easy. And you know what I love about the catalyst we've had at the Ice House is they're just problem solvers. So they're just coming and going, right, what's going on? I've never heard anyone, through all of the work that I've done for this show, nobody's referred to us accountants as the catalysts ourselves. But is that how you saw the Well, that's we a label because it's a catalyst program. Yeah. I, but I, I think it but is. Do you think that we could be that? Uh, it's just a different mindset, yes. And it's interesting. For the catalysts that have been in here, that like their, um, you know, their firm's not here. They're just here. And it's, uh, I, you know, I think they're pretty brave coming in because all of a sudden there's nothing behind them and it's just them and they've just got to talk to people and engage with them. But you don't do that when you sit at your desk. There's a difference between, you talk about the mindset of working with companies like this. Now, I did the startup immersion as the, as the CA catalyst at Stone and Chalk in Melbourne. And I spoke to a couple of CAs who had been in before and they said, look, it's tough because these people have work and they've got things to do and you need to prove your worth to them. Um, there's a lawyer who comes in and he wears this black t-shirt and jeans and everyone comes up and talks to him and he comes all the time. So I went in for my first day, got all the zero gear that I could possibly find. So I had this bright blue stuff on my desk, wore the black t-shirt and I had three or four people come up and talk to me. Is there a way of servicing these sort of clients that sort of speaks their language? Because my experience was that I couldn't come in in a, in a, in a suit and a tie, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that's right because, look, if we in the startup world or SME world see a guy or a girl in a suit, we're like, oh. I actually don't think that when I see a female in a suit, but when I see a guy with a tie, I'm like, oh, what's going on? They must be a corporate person. I do think it's interesting when I when I look at the catalyst opportunity, you know, it is very much, I always think about, and at the Ice House we think about what we have to be as a practitioner, and a practitioner is put your, put your shoes in your head in the mind of the SME or the startup and go, what are they experiencing? Where are they at? What can I learn from their experience that helps me get better patterns to deal with more of them? Like I think one-to-one's easy. I think helping lots of businesses at once, that's the challenge. And so I think the biggest value from having a CA in a co-working space is that it heightens their awareness of what, the SME or the startup is doing and then they start going wow okay this is a repeatable thing why don't I develop a template that helps them deal with that the there's there's an opportunity for an accountant's 100% in my view to work with businesses that are like this we spoke a bit about the mindset and you you've almost touched on the ability of scaling the knowledge knowledge is a really tough thing to scale any tips well if you observe patterns and then you act on it so for example Recently, um, because I sit on a couple of startup boards, I've observed the cap table, the share register, 
is an extraordinarily challenging thing when you get things like ESOPs and multiple rounds. And then on one board, the CFO, a guy called Jeremy Smith, has got this most incredible cap table that he developed, pivot tables. I was like, wow. So I'm like, immediately, I can see the problem. This person solved it. So I said to Jeremy, who is the CA, Jeremy, how can I share that template with other companies? And so I think for all of us, when we help a company, we've got to go, is this a repeated problem or is this an isolated problem? It's repeated. Right, what can I do to encapsulate that knowledge and share it freely with other people? I've got a few clients who desperately need more efficient ways of managing their cap table. So can you put me in touch with him? Because we absolutely need that. Well, he's given me the template. So oh, I'll just share the Flick template through. with you. And it's, you know, it's incredible in terms of, I think that's the challenge around how you keep just doing those things to enable um, more knowledge to be shared. And it's really interesting. The knowledge is not, you, you, you don't these days hold it and not tell anyone. You share it free, freely. I see a lot of the leaders who are creating templates, putting them into the marketplace, and then saying, if you have any issues with them, come and talk to me. But they're not holding them to monetize them. They're sharing to grow the brand and the reputation. This could be one of the biggest mindset shifts needed for accountants who very often work in their own silos in firms. Um, My client is my client, and I do everything for my client, and I'm the smartest person for them. Getting what? what are the, what's the ultimate benefit for somebody for getting involved in changing their thinking to share knowledge like that? I just think the brand and the word of mouth spreads, and they go, "Wow, that you know, she's a go-to person because she's open, she's sharing, she's generous, and people refer as a result of that." Andy, is there any message, final message that you have for the accountants out there who are listening? I think um, be a practitioner. Put your feet into the places that your firms are, go on leadership programs. You know, through CANS, um, the Ice House uh, participates in a scholarship program for owners and leaders of programs. Why not, if you are a catalyst, go on a development program with other SMEs or leaders? I think that's a great opportunity. Invest in yourself by putting yourself in the shoes of others who are in business. And not only will you get great pattern matching, but you'll also learn something yourself. There is no reason why a CA can't be developing themselves as they go on that journey. Some of these ideas sound intimidating, but I assure you, you have many of the tools already to succeed in rising up the value chain and chartered accountants and the CA Catalyst community is here to help you. So head to my CA and join the Catalyst community there because you never know what you're going to learn by reading about other people who are asking questions and maybe helping them along their journey. To end this episode, I'm going to share a really uplifting and enlightening comment from Felicity Hill, an accountant who I believe is already sitting at the top of the value chain in the way she works with her clients. You're probably already doing it um, to a certain extent, but you've just got to back yourself. And I think part of that comes down to the pricing of what you're delivering is actually valuable um, and back yourself on that and don't back down when people question bills. Um, I think that have a look at your staff and see is your team holding you back or are you holding them back? Um, that's quite a scary question to ask. Um, but yeah, just go for it. And also the other thing that as accountants, we've always traditionally kind of worked in silos and I think there can be so much that can be gathered from working and talking to other accountants. We're not out to steal your clients. We're not um, 
If you've got great relationships with your clients, you're absolutely fine, but talk to others about what they're doing and just draw on others' experience.